Michael from TheLoftestParty.com. Thanks for checking out the podcast. We got a humdinger for you this week. We got a great one. Andrew Clavin is going to be our guest. He's the author of the Another Kingdom series. Very popular uh, book series. It's an amazing podcast. You can see and hear him on the Daily Wire as well. He's got lots of big news. It's a, it's a great conversation. We're happy to have Andrew Clavin on the show. Of course, the Gimlet's here. And we're going to be talking about all the news that's fit to print, all the stuff they're trying to hide behind the curtains. We're going to do a deep dive into what's happening in America. How you feeling, Gimlet? I'm feeling great. <laughs> that was such a lie. What a week. What a week. What's bugging you? I'm going to put the ball is in your court, honey pie. Okay. I read an article from Time Magazine. Let's go. Let's go. And I read an article from Time Magazine talking about a group of labor leaders from the AFL-CIO and business titans and left-wing activists that all united to fortify an election through changing our election laws, manipulating the media, and censoring things that didn't work in Joe Biden's favor. Here is, uh, here's the quote. I'm just going to help you out here. I'm just doing this. Is I'm, I'm a little support. I did a YouTube video about this. It's it's doing pretty well on YouTube, um, and, and I'm, I'm happy about that because I didn't know if it would get censored or not. But here's the big quote that, that really shook me. Uh, and this is, this is a direct quote from Time Magazine. Uh, even though it sounds like a paranoid fever dream, a well-funded cabal of powerful people ranging across industries and ideologies, working together behind the scenes to influence perceptions, change rules and laws, steer media coverage, and control the flow of information. They were not rigging the election they were fortifying it. This is one of the scariest things I think I've ever read that is like ripped from reality. That really happened. That really happened. And they're bragging about it. They're bragging. The thing that, okay, so you know that I've made major investments in Tinfoil, right? Yes. Yes. I'm reading it, and I wrote about it over at PJ. Um, Smart. Because, well, what bothered me significantly um, is that it was published on the heels of the World Economic Forum's meeting on the Great Reset. And so when you look at what they call stakeholder capitalism, which John Kerry has assured the World Economic Forum that Joe Biden is just going to rush towards, um, what that is, stakeholder capitalism, is a conglomeration of government, big business, and labor. And so labor and big business do the things that government can't do, like suppress ideas on social media, Stop letting you use your credit card to buy, I don't know, ammunition. The government can't do that, but 
business can. Yeah. It's uh, a what, what that a, used to be called was fascism. Yes. Yes. Okay. And this this Time and, magazine article should be a huge wake up call for everybody. And I didn't know what I learned when I started looking into it more and more is that FDR actually tried to do this in the 30s through something called, believe it or not, the NRA. Yeah. Okay. That's all. Uh, that's all horrifying. It, it really is. And and I'm just I, like I'm sitting. I'm sitting here and I'm going, oh my god. And then I look at it and I'm like, we have the National Guard still sitting in D.C. We have the DHS sending out memos about right wing extremists, but nothing is happening. Is that article supposed to be the poke in the eye that makes some lunatic do something? It is, um, I, in my opinion, it's it's always the left goes too far. They always go a couple steps too far. And this was, I think, obviously, they were so insanely proud of what they did. They were so insanely proud of steering a huge segment of the population into thinking and believing in a certain way. They were so they're so delighted with the results that they had to brag about it. And it's I'm I'm on Facebook and I'm watching what I who I thought were very smart people going, but the the intentions were good. The intentions were good. No, <laughs> it's like, they no, weren't. It's it's horrible. And it's just it's confirmation. When you're like, listen, man, we're, we're being steered. I hate, and we, we've said, we've talked about it on the show a whole a whole lot, and it's one of the reasons I I have the political beliefs that I have. I don't like the idea of being led around by the nose. Like, if there's two but, choices to go through, I need all the information on 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 either door before I go through. Before I make my choice, I want to know what's really going on. Don't don't just try to convince me. Come on, come on, go for this guy. This will be the best guy. Just 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 think for a minute about how it didn't really work though. What do you mean? It worked like a charm. Trump, what didn't no, work? No, 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 no. What really worked? And he was probably a part of it, so don't get me wrong. This may have been a part of the plan, right? 10 million more people voted for Donald Trump in 2020 than in 2016. Donald Trump broke the working class barrier cross racial lines. None of that was supposed to happen. The thing that, the thing that killed Donald Trump in the state of Georgia in Michigan, in Pennsylvania, <clears throat> in Wisconsin, and probably in Arizona, I'd have to go look at the details, was an influx of cash given to a not-for-profit by Mark Zuckerberg and his wife that funded local election offices in Biden-heavy areas. Biden only won here by 12,000 votes. If somebody hadn't put millions of dollars into Fulton County's election office, that never would have happened. Yeah. A, so a, well, a well-funded is, cabal took down the right, president but what of the I'm United saying States. Is, what I'm saying is their whole 
right about look how we steered the media and did all this. That didn't work. Sweet Mary, I'm I'm like flabbergasted right now. Gimlet, who's the president? No, no, no. But what I'm saying is it didn't change the opinions or the perspective of 10 million more people that voted for Trump. You didn't change their minds. So, like, that part of it didn't work. Thing worked. That's what we got to stop. Okay. A well-funded part cabal. Part of the same big thing, but I'm saying they didn't, like, people were smart enough. 10 million people were smart enough to say, no, this guy has done good things. Okay, that's not my that's not my takeaway. That's that's a that's a lovely little uh, side note, in my opinion. That here's here's my big takeaway. Mm-hmm. A bunch of people got lied to. There was yep. multiple lies told across. They changed rules and they tried to change. Mm-hmm. They changed election laws mm-hmm. and they they lied. They lied. They lied, and they suppressed and they controlled what well, they called it controlling the flow of information. Right. They got Joe Biden in the White House. Mm-hmm. A bunch of evildoers got together and they got Joe Biden across the finish line. So I think my big takeaway from this is you just hold this up as, hey, everybody, you're being lied to. You know, how we've been telling you that the media is biased and you've been being lied to. Well, mm-hmm. here they go. Here they go. And it's uh, it's a terrifying notion. I was thinking about this right before we started started the show. Just how they just fired Lou Dobbs. They just fired Lou Dobbs from uh, from Fox because he keeps bringing up the election. I can't think of whatever reason. That's got to be the reason they fired him. They're they're going to say something else. But like, so Lou Dobbs loses his job. But for three years, three and a half years, Rachel Maddow, Lawrence O'Donnell, CNN, everybody lied and looked into the election and Oh, that's that's celebrated. That's noble and brave. Listen, you guys, uh, of course, you know it. You listen to this show. You, you don't want uh, the biased media. If I was I this is why I made the video. It's I want everyone to know you're being manipulated. What you think is the news, what you think of as just, oh, that's just a fact. It's just not so. And don't take it mm-hmm. from me. Take it from Time Magazine. So hopefully in 2020, uh, to your point of like 10 million more people, yes, hopefully 10, hopefully 10 million more people are now aware of the fact of like, oh, holy crap. Holy crap. I thought I was voting in my best interest, but I was just being fed a mountain of lies. Hopefully there'll be uh, tens of millions more in 2020. Tens of millions more. Unless they can continue to suppress. Like if like you, you post about election. Jesus, Mary and Joseph. Did you see the uh, the Mike Lindell documentary? Absolute proof or whatever it's called. No, I haven't seen that. A buddy of mine sent me the link. And uh, I'll just say this. It's pretty compelling. It's pretty compelling. And this is when you talk about, oh, you know, a well-funded cabal got together to change rules and laws. Like, they changed the election laws in uh, in Pennsylvania. 
and correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think they did it through the legislature, right? They, they correct, and they did the same thing in Georgia. Right. So mm-hmm. you you look at the number of those votes, and like in all these races, it's like you were talking about in Georgia. Like it wasn't a blowout. No. Uh, by by Biden. He got just enough to get him across the finish line. And if you take away those votes in Pennsylvania, where they had, you know, th- th- he just, Lindell's documentary breaks it all down uh, bit by bit by bit. And it's a very compelling case. It's a very compelling case. And I don't know, you know, of course, you know, this got thrown out, this lawsuit got thrown out for standing, and this one's still going to the Supreme Court, and yada, yada, yada. Uh, but, uh, we gotta, we gotta keep our eye on it. It's just, I, I don't, I can't stand the double standard. It drives me so crazy. And just a well-funded cabal, uh, of people. And it's not that many people. And I'll tell this to, to our listeners. It's, you don't need that many people to really change public opinion. Look at Jeff Bezos. Bezos, however, the Bezos, I'm, I'm, I'm a Long Island lady. He's got Amazon. He's got the Washington Post. So the Post makes a lot of opinion, the Post. And then they you quote the Washington Post on these news programs. I saw a video that kind of I don't want to like tinfoil hat. There's a dude who used to work. At, at Facebook. He was a big time uh, Facebook executive. And I'm going to butcher his last name. I apologize. Uh, Don't apologize. He's. Uh, <laughs> oh, it's it's going to. No, this is going to be bad because he's. he's I panicked. think I know the quote. So <laughs> the guy from Chamath Palahaptiaya. Pal, uh, it, it's. It, his name is Chamath. C-H-A-M-A-T-H. And the last name is. Polyhapatia, P-A-L-I-H-A-P-I-T-I-Y-A. I had never heard of this dude, but uh, another outlet ran a story about him, and he used to be a bigwig at, at Facebook, and there's a YouTube video of him just saying there's 150 people running the world. And, yep. and I was just, I was just shocked. But he's, he's just like, because he, he wants to be, and he's making no bones about it, he wants to be one of the 150. Yup, I used to be a bigwig at Facebook. Yup, I made a lot of money. Yup, I know about social media. Yup, guess what else? Zuckerberg's, uh, Mark Zuckerberg is nothing. Uh, Jack Dorsey is nothing. They are just pawns on a chessboard. There are 150 people who are really running the world. And I it was just shocking it was just shocking you want scare me scare me so the world the world economic forum is run by a man named klaus schwab okay super villain who has a very heavy accent go to their website and listen to him tell you by 2030 you'll own nothing and you'll be happy (laughs) i don't want to I don't want to. <laughs> okay. So you have all, you have the Davos crowd, right? There's probably about 150 people there that run the world. You're talking about the Bill Gateses, the um, 
George Soros, um, William, I mean, William Buffett. Um, who, who else am I thinking of? It's not even Elon Musk. They're going after him now. Yes. He's a, he's. So. Wow. 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 Yes. So it's one thing to like fall in love with that information. And like, I could totally see like people who are like, okay, so I'm going to find out what this guy's doing and, and where is uh, George Soros now? And what, please keep doing that. If that, if that gives you a boner, please keep doing that. That's what I liked about Q. <laughs> people getting it. But with me, it's like, and, and I've said this before on the podcast. Okay, so now we know we're a little bit closer to knowing what's really going on. But we got we to gotta get together. We have to get together like, like penguins in the Arctic. Like, yes, 10 million more people voted for Trump. Okay, we need... We need about 70, 80 million more. We need to let people know about this in a way that you can't. This is always the trick, and it's why I do jokes. And it's, you know, I was going to do jokes anyway, but it's why I started talking about politics. That it's like, it's it's quite shocking. And there's nowhere to go. There's nowhere to go, you guys. Like, we can move around inside the country, which I plan on doing. But in terms of globally, it's not like there's another country that comes close to the U.S. No, we, we no. have to we have to encourage people to vote, and and yes, we have to hold uh, GOP candidates. We got to hold their feet to the fire, but it, it is it's time to get motivated. I mean, get well, your but- ass up off the couch and start. Have you heard of Tom McDonald? I've heard of his brother who had the farm. Now he's the older McDonald and he oh my gosh. <laughs> No, I have not. I thought about playing that out for a really long time. <laughs> no, I got it within the first couple of descriptions. I know, but then I thought um, about going on farther. Okay, who's this guy? Tom McDonald and you can find him on my my Twitter feed. Um, and on my Facebook page, and 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 on my writing at PJ Media, he is a white hip hop artist from Canada who is completely independent, and oh, okay. he just he just wrote and released a song called "Fake Woke." Yeah, and in it, in it, he echoes a sentiment that I've been saying since the election. Guys, they are they are trying to convince us we're in a race war. This is actually a class war. It's these elites, the bureaucrats in government, and our political class, and the people at the bottom that they're willing to subsidize against everybody else, and there's more of us. Yes, yes, and that's something that uh, they're probably not too keen on letting... On, on letting get out there. That just how I write many it all the time. I write it yeah. all the time. Yeah. Well, you know what? Ex- experiment. Experiment with uh, different ways of uh, of of the same message. You know, it's uh, it's weird. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. It's it's very frustrating when you 
when you realize these things and you try to let other people know and then they're like, oh, okay, whatever. Uh, it's it's happening, though. It's happening. Things are moving fast, you guys. Things are moving Very. fast. And we are at we're, we're at the front of it. Where it's always we can't help it. G- G- Gypsy and I, we can't help it. We're at <laughs> we're out in front of this stuff, and sometimes it's lonely. So we're glad you're here. Okay, stick around. Here's what's going on. Uh, we got to talk about Alexandria Ocasio Cortez. We're gonna make fun of her a little bit. Uh, talk about that. We got some other uh, uh, Biden stuff and what's going on. But when you come back. You will be hearing the, the the wonderful interview that I did with Andrew Claven. He's a wonderful dude. Stick around. You'll in us. Not to be a backseat driver, but can you say for sure you got the best monthly payment possible on your auto loan? Could it be that you might have gotten a better deal by shopping the loan at a few places and have a lower car payment? Next time, before you go car shopping, visit Communication Federal Credit Union first. Our auto loan experts will find you a perfect loan and get you the lowest monthly payment we can. Communication Federal, your auto loan experts. Restrictions apply. Federally insured by NCUA. There's nothing more predictable in life than the unexpected. Lightning will always strike. Hail will fall on roofs. Fortunately, there's AAA. AAA has been helping members stay prepared for over a 100 years. So when unusual storms, fallen debris, or sudden leaks happen, you'll be covered. Check, check, and check. Get the home and auto insurance you need by talking with a AAA insurance agent today. Visit AAA.com slash insurance or stop by your local AAA store. We're so happy right now to have our next guest. We've got, he's been on the show before. We love this guy. Andrew Clavin is on the show. This Now, first of all, dude, thanks for being here. Thanks oh, for uh, being so generous with your time. It's always great to see you, Michael. I lo- love talking to you. <laughs> all right. So just to get people uh, caught up, just I'll just do a little bit of background, just in case, for the for the three people on the globe that have not heard of uh, Andrew Clavin. Uh, we're talking uh, so many fantastic screenplays, so many wonderful books, uh, so many incredible uh, podcasts and shows, just an all-around great dude, and, uh, and, and, a, and a lover of C.S. Lewis quotes. That was, uh, I did a show, when, when I met you, I was hosting this show called The Flip Side. It was this right. little independently produced and syndicated talk show and you dropped a c.s lewis quote and dude that was like that that really really affected me i just thought it was like so it was just so cool you don't know a lot of people who can just drop a a sweet c.s lewis quote can you can you paraphrase it just just really quickly I can't even remember what I said. I don't remember the con- I remember being on the show, but I don't remember what that conversation Dude, was. That was just you whiffed. But, you whiffed on the setup. Here, I'll tell you, I'll, I'll tell you what I it say? was. 
All right. It, it was pretty much saying it was, it was talking about uh, uh, at the end of your life, when all is said and done, it all boils down to love. Did you love and were you loved? And I just thought it was like just br- I mean, I knew C.S. Lewis was a champ, but that was like some very prolific, wonderfully deep. And, and, I, and I thought you were so cool for just being able to drop it, you know. <laughs> well, Lewis, I mean, Lewis is the great he's the great uh, explainer of Christianity. He is the guy who kind of says, look, it's not this all this crazy stuff. Uh, it's not all this stuff you see on TV. It's not even the ritual. He t- explains the logic of it. And once, you know, as I was becoming a, a Christian, uh, it was reading mere Christianity as it is for so many people by C.S. Lewis that you just said, oh yeah, I, I get it. This makes sense. And not only does it make sense, as C.S. Lewis himself said, it's like the sun, you not only see it, you see everything by it. And that's uh, that's one of the great things about what C.S. Lewis does. And he was really a, a, a powerful voice during the Second World War, reminding people of who reminding people in the West of who they were and by extension what they were fighting for. And I think that's something we actually have to remember now as well. Yeah. 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 I'm I'm a big uh admirer of of just his work as as an author and as a as a ball buster, because if he didn't bust J.R.R. Tolkien's balls <laughs> for not being able to produce pages, we never would have the Hobbit or Lord of the Rings. You're familiar with that story, I'm sure. Oh, oh yeah, they were they were a really important force. The Inklings, they called themselves. Yeah, uh, and there was Tolkien and Lewis, and uh, one of the more obscure ones, a guy named Owen Barfield, uh, who writes very complicated philosophical books. But they once you penetrate them, they're life changing. Uh, and uh, Owen Barfield was like the least productive and one of the least well-known, but really a powerful force as well. So they were he was, a really important group. Yeah. He was the Pete Best the, of the Inklings. He was, exactly. He was <laughs> the, the Ringo Star, I would say, yeah. <laughs> okay, so um, I'm going to use that as, as a transition to to your, your, your books and this whole series, Another Kingdom, that is just, it, it just seems like no BS, like it just keeps growing and growing and growing. Yeah, we. It was really an experience because I, I kind of, you know, after I wrote my uh, memoir, the Great Good Thing, which was a memoir of my conversion uh, to Christianity, I felt like I'd said a lot of the things that I thought and said a lot of, told a lot of the stories of my life, and it left me a little dry as a novelist. It left. It was as if I had expended all the material out of which you make novels. And I went for a couple of years where I wrote books that I threw away and didn't like. And then all of a sudden, this book, Another Kingdom, just was deposited in me. It just like hit me like a bolt of lightning. Usually I have to work out stories very uh, painstakingly, but this one just came to me all at once. And I wrote what was essentially, I've been a crime writer all my life, a suspense writer, and here was a story that was a suspense story, but it was also a fantasy story. It had two stories going on at once that sort of become one story over time about a, a, a failed screenwriter who steps through a door and finds himself in another kingdom in this kind of weird medieval world. And yeah. I finished it and I thought, you know, if I if I just publish this as a novel, nobody's going to see it because it's so far out of my wheelhouse. So I decided to put it on as a podcast and I got my friend Michael Knowles, who's an actor, and uh, he he recorded it in my house right here where I am now. We, we just sat here and recorded it and we put it up on, uh, on the podcast places and it did really well. It was among the top 100 podcasts. And so the Daily Wire said to me, well, why don't you give it to us and let us do it? We'll promote it even more. And so yeah. that really built more. Now the, the, the podcast 
is over. You can still get it as an audio book at, at Audible with Knowles reading it. Uh, and the third book, the final book in the trilogy, comes out in uh, March if you want to actually just read the novel. Okay, so let me ask you this. And this is just as, uh, like, with, um, oh, golly, the, the guy who wrote uh, Game of Thrones, uh, right. George George R. R. Martin. Right. Like, I have a lot of respect for that dude. And, like, I have a – I'm working on a TV show right now, and you you come from the world of television and screenplays and features and just an, an insanely uh, – you've got – your resume is insane, dude. <laughs> uh, but did you find yourself – here's what I, here's what I'm getting at. With George R.R. R. Martin, he wrote uh, the first Game of Thrones book. And you can tell this. You're a, you're a writer, you know, if you've read these books. You can tell, like, when the second book came out, he knew he had a hit on his hands, mm-hmm. so he's tapping the brakes. Suddenly, suddenly he's going into a little bit more detail. Like, it went from being three books to now it's, like, seven. Did you have to fight that impulse? You know, I, like, I, I, to wrap I have, it up? Or just, I you have could just trained, freaking live. I've, I've trained this impulse out of myself because I've noticed this with writers, too, as they get more and more successful and editors don't edit them anymore. Uh, they're afraid to touch them. Their books get longer and longer and longer. And I have tried to be a very concise writer, a very direct writer, and also uh, a precise writer. So when I say I'm writing a trilogy, that means three books. And one of the things that drives me crazy is not just Martin. It's all these fantasy writers. They start out with the, you know, the so-and-so trilogy. And then on book 15, you go like, that's not a trilogy. <laughs> that's not how that works, you know. So I wanted to tell a three book story. That's what I did. Uh, you know, it it leaves. I suppose it leaves a, a strain open where if I wanted to start a new trilogy, I could do that. Uh, but the, but the story begins and ends within these three books, and uh, and it's important to me to do that. It's important to me not to say more than I have to say. I, I want to describe, you know, so much of, uh, of writing fiction is making sure that the imagination has room to play. And if you describe every little thing, you really essentially turn it into a movie, which sucks the imagination out of it. It's hard to look at, you know, just pick, to pick a name, it's hard to look at George Clooney and imagine that character is anybody but George Clooney, whereas in fiction, the, the uh, imagination is your collaborator. And I always try and let, keep that in place. So I have trained myself to be concise uh, and also just to keep my trilogies to three books just uh, for the sake <laughs> of the dictionary definition of the word. I have to think I'm at a point where I'm trying, I'm, I'm attempting to write uh, my first novel. It, uh, ex- just is extremely daunting. Yeah. Uh, but there's so many different schools of thought. And, and I'm, I'm also a firm believer in you just have to dive in and do it. You just have to dive in and do it and stumble and, and fall down and hate. You know, I already – whatever. There's a lot of self-loathing. But like uh, Michael Crichton, mm-hmm. here's a guy that just like wrote novels for the screen. It, it's just like they were just screenplays that he yeah. just – it's like the the adaptation. It's like he had written the adaptation of the movie – and published it as a novel. It was like reverse engineering, uh, which I guess there's something to be said for that. Who do who are you? Who are you reading? What what authors? Who do who do you like right now? Just well, and let's just let's try to keep it to to like uh, to fiction. Well, I, I train myself in the classics. I love the classics. I love uh, the British novelist Dickens and Anthony Trollope. I love the Russian novelist uh, Tolstoy and uh, Dostoevsky, especially Dostoevsky had a huge effect on me. And those are the guys who were my school. I mean, they, uh, you know, guys like them and Henry James, these are the guys who kind of taught me what a novel is. But of course, we live in a world uh, w- that moves a lot faster than those 
their world did. And that was very important to me to <coughs> translate their techniques. Uh, and one of the true moments in my big moments in my life was reading Wilkie Collins, The Woman in White, uh, one of the greatest thrillers ever written. And I read this book and I saw that I, I had a gift, I thought, for writing crime stories, writing thrillers. And I thought, wow, you can write a thriller like The Woman in White and put in all your ideas and put in all your vision of the world without slowing down the plot at all. And my mission became to sort of translate uh, the classics that I loved into modern American fast-moving fiction. And I was helped by that by watching movies like Alfred Hitchcock, especially, I think, who taught me uh, a lot about timing. But you have to make the distinction. You have to make the distinction in writing a novel between what a novel does and what a, a movie does. A movie can only show you things, whereas a novel takes you inside things, and you have to let the logic of that carry itself out, even when you think like, gee, when they write the movie of this, they're going to have to change the scene. <laughs> I still want to get it down on paper the way it's supposed to be as a novel. And so who are the guys I love? Uh, you know, the the best adventure writer of the last 50 years was a guy named... Uh, oh, my God. He, he wrote the Aubrey Matron uh, movie. Uh, Aubrey Matron uh, novels, Patrick O'Brien. And um, those are novels of uh, sea battles during the Napoleonic Wars. They're historical novels. They're kind of based on the Hornblower novels, uh, which were also the same uh, period, but they're just really deeper and richer. And people who read them just fall absolutely in love with them. I think he was the, the best novelist in English of the last 25 years of the last century. Uh, so he was the guy that I was reading then. Now, you know, novels are kind of going through a dark period. Uh, Donna Tartt is a very talented novelist. I really like her stuff. Um, I, I like to read adventure novels and, and novels with strong action uh, aspects to them. And the sharp novels uh, are very good. I don't know if you've ever seen those, the Richard Sharp novels, which are also set in the Napoleonic Wars, but he's an infantryman. Uh, yeah. you, you know, there's just, there's right now, um, you know, we've we've gone through this period that happens when a, uh, a an art form kind of plays itself out where the best stuff is actually being written in the genres. Uh, and, and that's always been true in America. America has always been produced really good genre material, whether it's musicals or mystery stories. Our hard-boiled mysteries are the greatest uh, ever written. Um, you know, we don't really do the Agatha Christie stuff so much as we do the Raymond Chandler, uh, Dashiell Hammett stuff. And those are the things that I just love. So I'm always, I mean, I'm always got a, a number of books going at any given moment, but the, the people who are writing right now, um, I, I like Donna Tartt. I like, you know, I can't remember her name right in the, off the tip of my tongue, but the girl who wrote Gone Girl had a big success with Gone Girl. Uh, but if you read her carefully and you read her other books, she's not really a thriller writer. She's a satirist. Oh, wow. And uh, yeah, she, she really, her, her thrillers are actually satires, which, uh, uh, and, and they're very dark and very interesting and really uh, different, and I, I, I admire her. I think she's uh, she's quite good. So there's a lot of there's a lot of good stuff going around. You know, it's just you have to find it. Uh, most uh, as as normally, most of the really popular stuff is not that good. You know, it's just kind of uh, throwaway stuff. But uh, there's there's still a lot of good stuff to read. And of course, if you go back in time long enough, there's always good stuff to read. Oh yeah, yeah. That's um. I stum I recently stumbled across uh, The Witcher series mm. which it is polish right yeah 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 but what a extremely interesting way to tell a story yep. and 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 i don't know if you're familiar with it but like it's he was writing short stories they stand alone each little story stands alone 
but they're all in the same universe. They're all in the same world, and they're all part of a much bigger story, which I was just blown away by that. Uh, I thought it was pretty original. And then even when he started delving into, like, I'm just going to tell these Witcher stories, it still has that element to it, which is is very cool, which is kind of, once again, horrible segue, but, like, that went nicely uh, into television and and I know that you're being part of the the Daily Wire. They're delving into some more entertainment stuff too. Did you have any involvement in that the the, the reach the, that recent uh, feature that they just came out with? Uh, the the title escapes me right now. Yeah, Run Hide Fight. It's um, yeah that that was actually an acquisition. We didn't make that. The Daily Wire didn't make it. They acquired it because it had been rejected, even though it did very well, I think, at the Venice Film Festival, if I'm not mistaken. Um, it was then rejected by Hollywood because it it wasn't doesn't toe the leftist line. And so we acquired it and distributed it and acted as a dis- distributor for the film, uh, which has done tremendously well on the website, which is great. But that's yeah. only the beginning of what The Daily Wire is doing. The Daily Wire is going to make and produce content, and I'm a big part of that. I'm thrilled to be a big part of that. Uh, this is something that, you know, when, when Jeremy Boring started the company with Ben Shapiro, th- this was really the goal of the company, and it became, the, the Daily Wire became so successful doing what it did that it delayed, the, oddly enough, you would have thought that would have uh, hurried up uh, our right. move into the culture, but no. In fact, we got so involved in that that it really delayed what the what the main purpose was. But the main purpose has always been uh, to get into the culture because this is where conservatives. And when I say conservatives, I mean I really mean anybody who believes in human freedom, anybody who believes in individual human freedom and individual human rights, and the fact that the government is just there to ensure those rights and get out of the way. Anybody who believes in the American vision of what a human being is and what he should be. Those people have been, as you know, Michael, I mean, you and I both know this from personal experience. They've been ejected from the culture. They've been banned from the culture. They have been blacklisted from the culture uh, by the people who whine and complain that they were blacklisted for being communists. Yeah, which is a very different thing. And so um, and so the the fact is that the political battles that we lose uh, were so. The left, everything the left does uh, turns to crap. You know, everything they touch, their cities turn to crap. You know, they if they help gay people, then gay people's lives turn to crap. If they help women, women are just erased. <laughs> you know, no matter what they touch, it turns to crap. And everything we do works and makes people's lives better. So why do we lose uh, in in uh, at the voting booth so often? Well, it's because they own the culture. And they have put forward that their ideas are the ideas of virtue and our ideas are the ideas of evil, of racism, of sexism, of homophobia, all those things. If we let the culture go, we've lost everything. And and I've been... I have been yelling about this for 20 years to conservative groups, and it's really it's really amazing. When I started out making these speeches, I would go to think tanks and make these speeches. They'd look at me like, what the hell are you talking about? And they were kind of interested because I'd worked in in Hollywood, so I was kind of yeah. cool, you know? <laughs> they thought that was... But they, would, <laughs> but they would look at me like I was speaking Swahili, you know? And then slowly, I started to get calls, and especially in the last couple of years, people, you know, would call me up and say, you know, you said something 15 years ago. I, I want to hear that again. And, and suddenly, conservatives started to understand that we lost America, not at the ballot box. We lost it on TV. We lost it at the movies. Uh, we lost it in in the culture and in the things that are 
the culture establishes what it's acceptable, what they call the Overton window, what it's acceptable to talk about, what it's acceptable to think, where virtue lies. And we have let that go because conservatives have a tendency to panic politically. Uh, whatever, every time we win, we lose an election, you'll hear, you'll hear conservatives say this all the time. That's it. The country's over. We're done. We're finished. Yeah. That's, oh my, you know, and, and so, and if we lose Ohio, the constitution will turn to dust. And you say like, well, you know, this is a lo- long-term battle. It's been going on for thousands of years. Uh, there are no final victories and there are no final defeats. And so you have to play the long game. And people like us, comedians, people who make people laugh, people who make people cry, people who uh, touch their emotions and show them visions of the way the world is, uh, they play the long game. And politicians can only play for the next election, the next couple of years. But the culture is like, you know, you know when you stand on the beach and the waves come in and you feel them eat the sand out from under your feet? Uh, that's what the culture does. The culture will completely change the earth while you're standing on it. Yeah. And so, and so that's why everyone who can entertain, everyone who can, um, you know, tell stories, everyone who can sing songs, everyone who can paint pictures and do all the things that uh, bring a vision of, the, of human life to people needs to speak up and needs to fight back against this monolith of Twitter, Google, uh, Amazon, all these people who just want to silence that voice uh, because they can make bigger profits going global and serving China and and making sure that nobody has an opinion uh, that gets in their way. You know, it's, it's we, we're in a moment right now where seriously, if you go on Twitter and say a man can't become a woman, which is just a scientific fact, right? It means nothing. It means no animus toward men who feel uncomfortable in their gender or women who feel uncomfortable in their gender. Just a scientific fact. You'd be thrown off the platform of Twitter for saying that. They are selling lies, and in order to sell lies, you have to silence the truth. So artists are going to have to be brave, and uh, audiences are going to have to be brave. And, And ordinary, you know, working people who who go to their corporation and are told that they have to atone for their whiteness uh, or their maleness or their femaleness are going to have to be brave. All of us are going to have to make sure, because all of us are carrying, like it's like a little flame, all of us are carrying a little piece of the culture in our hands. Uh, we got to keep that flame alive because this is a long fight. It is going to take 20 to 25 years uh, just to get back to a place where people start to say, you know, Freedom is kind of a good idea. You know, my conscience is as good as your conscience, and you have no right to, to knock me off platforms for speaking the truth. I mean, we've got to get back to that where people are willing to fight for that. And I yeah. think the culture is, is the way to go. I'm I'm right there with you. And I, and I think the trick is, like, when we were talking earlier about, like, write, writing novels and, you know, sometimes less is more, blah, 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 blah. But, like, you you just want to tell great stories. You just want to make people laugh, and I don't think you, you can't come across as as uh, as preachy, in my opinion. Right. You know, I th- I think you need a boatload of cheeseburger for that little piece of uh, red pill. You know what I'm saying? Like, just tell a great story that just has a value at its core. It, you if know, that makes any sense. I I completely agree with this. I don't even think this is. This is one of the things that why it's so hard to sell the culture to political people is they want a message. They want you to send a message. And I keep saying to them, we don't win the culture by making conservative art. We win the culture when conservative artists can make anything they want. And that yeah. that's because, you know, I'm going to write stories that are going to have good people I disagree with. And uh, they're not going to be propaganda. They're just going to be about life. And what we have to believe is that life inherent in life is 
our people's rights to pray, to speak, to think, to be. You know, I think that that is inherent in a true version of life. And if we tell true stories, I think that will come across. It is why the West tells better stories than anybody else. It is why yeah. our, our culture is better than other cultures. People always say when I say that, well, that's racist. It's not. It's a, it's, <laughs> it's, it's a, a vision of the world that is true, generating great art. That's what's happening. Okay, so I'm I'm super excited to see what else is coming out of uh, the the Daily Wire in terms of like a, a studio. Is there anything, any hint you can give me about a project that you're working on now that's just bubbling up that you're kind of excited about? Yeah, I am. I'm writing now. I can't I can't talk about it in detail, but I'm writing a story uh, that, as we were just saying, is just a good story uh, that puts forward, you know that puts forward a vision that is now not allowed in Hollywood. If I wrote this story in Hollywood, not only would they not uh, take the screenplay, but they would basically never look at anything I do. <laughs> you know? and, and so, and, and the funny thing about it is, is th- it's not a radical word in it. It's just a description of human life, you know, okay. and to, you gotta, you gotta give me a genre, buddy. You gotta give me a genre. Well, we I'm a, I'm a, a crime and suspense writer. So it's, it starts there. It's a little more complicated than that, but it starts there. You know? All right. All right. I dig it. You guys, here we go. Very rarely do we get to give you the, the inside scoop in the world of entertainment. But Andrew Clavin just hooked us up. So we can't, I, I can't wait. I'm going to keep a close eye on everything. Much love, much success to you, buddy. It, it's exciting. It's exciting. It's, it's really, like you could really you is. could make the argument that like uh, Daily Wire, it's a, like the little United Artists back in the day. You know what? We're just going to get together and just do our own thing and let the chips fall where they may. You know, as I say, I've been talking about this for 20 years, and it really feels like we may have turned a corner uh, in a big way and a way that people won't recognize for another 20 years. But that's okay. we just got to do the work now and uh, let it take its course. Fantastic. Andrew Clavin, thanks for being on the show, buddy. All the best. Get out of L.A. Get <laughs> out of L.A. Uh, we're packing as we speak. <laughs> Hey, I'm Andy. If you don't know me, it's probably because I'm not famous. But I did start a men's grooming company called Harry's. The idea for Harry's came out of a frustrating experience I had buying razor blades. Most brands were overpriced, overdesigned, and out of touch. At Harry's, our approach is simple. Here's our secret. We make sharp, durable blades and sell them at honest prices for as low as $2 each. We care about quality so much that we do some crazy things, like buy a world-class German blade factory. Obsessing over every detail means we're confident in offering a 100% quality guarantee. Millions of guys have already made the switch to Harry's, so thank you if you're one of them. And if you're not, we hope you give us a try with this special offer. Get a Harry starter set with a five-blade razor, weighted handle, shave gel, and a travel cover. All for just three bucks, plus free shipping. Just go to harrys.com and enter 5000 at checkout. That's harrys.com, code 5000. Enjoy. It's almost too much show, but we love you so much. We just keep going. Big shout out to Andrew Clavin. What a great dude. But you know what? We're going to hit another gear here. 
It's time for our favorite segment, mm-hmm. the one in which we find out what is on the interwebs. It's time again. What's on the web with Paul? We got Paul Hare telling us what's on theloftestparty.com. What's going on, bud? Hey, Michael, how you doing? Sweet. I'm doing awesome. It's snowing outside. I'm feeling frisky. Sounds good. So let's start <laughs> off with... You weren't prepared for that. <laughs> no, I didn't I didn't put... I wasn't expecting snow and frisky to, to go together, but... Right? I'm feeling like a little snow elf. I'm going to take off my... Take off my clothes and go frolicking. <laughs> I don't know what I'm saying. What's on the web? Well, what's on the web with Paul this week starts off with the top story of the week, or what should be anyway. Uh-oh. And that's the video you did on the secret history of the 2020 election. And what that is, my summary of that is Time Magazine runs a story on how how the the all of the ruling class, the Democrats, corporations, big tech, you name it, they all work together to how did they put it? I'm trying to think of the word they use. What fortify. They, fortify the election, not rig, but fortify. Uh, do you want to go into a little bit more about that? I'm I'm telling you what, buddy. It's it, it's my philosophy, of course, to criticize people and and take a look at events through the lens of of comedy. That that's what my whole thing is. And and when that Time Magazine article and I'm gonna work, the Gimlet and I are, are discussing this as well on today's show. Uh, but all with that one. I literally I printed out the quotes from from Time magazine and I just read the quotes. I posted that video on YouTube. Instantly it was demonetized. And then instantly I asked for a review. And I think that's what uh I think that's why it wasn't destroyed and killed from YouTube. But it is a uh it's a shocking, shocking little uh piece that Time magazine wrote about how, hey, these this cabal got together. And we changed public perception. We changed election rules. We changed election laws. Uh, we made sure that we steered the media in the right way. We controlled the flow of information, and we fortified the election. And and it was mind boggling, mind boggling. But so yeah, people have to watch that. But but yeah, Gimlet and I are going to get into that uh, as that's well. Good. That's good that you're going to get into more of that because I'll tell you why that's important too. They're now. They've just advanced one step into saying, one step closer into saying, yeah, we stole the election. And I believe that if we keep focusing on it, meaning that we, the American people, the peons, the citizens, they will eventually come around to saying, you know what? We did outright steal the election because we had to do it for the good of the country. I think if we keep on this, and you can kind of see that too, because they keep saying, you can't say that the election was stolen. You can't do it. They're trying to push everybody away from that. And I believe that if we keep focusing on that, they'll eventually become so mad or so cocky that they'll just outright admit that, yeah, we stole the election. So keep yeah. that in mind as we move forward. Fantastic. What else do we got? We'll go some something really serious to something a little bit less serious. And that's third wave Siri now with censorship by Lisa Kay. I think we talked about her previous third wave Siri short story last week. But if it wasn't last week, sometime we talked about it. And it's good because it's another humorous little story that addresses current issues. And 
I'm big on that, as you already know, as readers of the LoftusParty.com know. I like to write little short stories like that every now and then. It's this fun. Deals it's good with, times. Uh, this deals with big tech and other issues, social justice, whatever you want to call it, wokeism that's going on right now, and it does it in a humorous way. So good job to Lisa Kay with that. Everybody go read it. Yeah, very funny. Very funny when you give your uh, your home robot companion a personality. That's always going to be funny. Yep. Speaking of robots, we had a Stop with the Killer Robots video put up <laughs> about Boston Dynamics. And you want to talk about that, Michael? It in this enrages me. We're playing with fire. We don't listen. This whole people are they keep going with making robots that can do more and more, and they're increasing the bat- battery life. And this is a robot that has a giant arm coming out of its head. It can work levers. It can do knob. Listen, the singularity is right around the corner. We we don't want this. We don't want this. And because even if we have a code of conduct. Like like Isaac Asimov wrote the the rules for robots that m- most people go by, but some 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 scientists somewhere just won't do it. He just won't do it. He goes, the only way for a robot to learn is for it to be free, and then the singularity happens, and then they wake up, and it's just game over. So that that's my little pessimistic look <laughs> at, at robots, and this thing is terrifying. It's terrifying. It's like a robot dog with an arm for a head. You have to look at it, you guys. Yep. Go to the lostestparty.com to look at that. Let's see. Let's go on. Let's try to quickly get into the post I wrote called Yet Another Reason to Abandon Conservatism. This is about there was a guy who says his background, he was an army officer, he was a CIA officer, and he's writing this at the conservative Washington Examiner. And when you go to the website, the post is very brief because this is what I'm all about right now. I'm just kind of at the point where I don't have a whole lot to say about politics. So I posted a screenshot of the headline of the first few paragraphs. And when you read that, again, it's called Yet Another Reason to Abandon Conservatism. You'll see exactly what I mean. It's not just the progressives they're putting out this stuff. It's conservatism, too. It's all the same thing. So that's really all that is. I don't want to spend too much time on it. People can go read that. Let's get back into something a little bit more fun. We had TLP, the guys, Apex... Legends Season 8 Extravaganza. That was a, a recording of a live stream by you know Yeah, who. Yeah, those guys, this is uh, this is a little home cook in there. But I happen to know a couple, uh, couple of dudes that do a lot of live streaming, and they're into the Apex Legends. And I'm telling you what, if I still had the, the, the response time and the reflexes that I had in my 20s, you would you'd have a hard time getting me away from games like Fortnite or Apex Legends. This stuff is fun. And they have these new seasons and there's new weapons and there's new events. So whenever uh and if you don't know what what Fortnite and and Apex Legends it's it's an elimination game. You have a little uh, squad of, you know, your friends. It's like three dudes and you're against 99 other people and they're in squads and the 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 field of battle slowly shrinks. And you have to get chests and fight other people to be the last man standing. It's it's high. It's it's sci-fi king of the hill. It's outrageous fun. And I just wish uh, I wish I had better uh, reflexes. So now I have to live vicariously through this this crack team of streamers that we have. Which oh, they just started a Twitch channel. So if you subscribe to TLP the guys. 
uh, TLP being the, the Loftus party. They're, they stream on YouTube, and now, and now we're streaming on Twitch as well. Our empire grows. Yes, it does. So everybody out there who's interested in gaming, go check that out. Next thing I want to touch on is I think you, you – this is probably a fellow comedian that you know. It's called the, – the headline of the post is 87th Funniest Comic in the U.S. on Whiskey Business. This guy's name is Pete Lipsy. He's a comedian, and I think he says his name is right. If not, you can correct me. But he appeared on another one of your friends' podcasts called Whiskey Business. And you want to talk a little bit about Pete? I've known Pete. I started doing stand-up in uh, Ohio back in the day. Pete Lipsy started around the same time as I did, and he just owe it for whatever reason, you guys. He just makes me laugh. Everything about him, his demeanor, all of it, and the self-deprecating humor that he's so great at. That's his That's his title, the 87th funniest comic in the United States. I think, see, that just makes me laugh. That just makes me laugh. And then Whiskey Business is with my buddy uh, Dino Tropotis, who was a big radio personality uh, in Ohio and a phenomenal stand-up in his own right. So uh, it's just one of those uh, one of those shows that I'm super happy to to have at theloftestparty.com. He just has it, he has great shows every week, and it, there's always there's always booze and great talk. Excellent. So for people who are looking for uh, more comics, and again, actual comics, not woke comics, but actual comics, go check out 87th funniest comic in the U.S. On whiskey business at theloftersparty.com. Speaking of unwoke comedy, got to touch on this. Hollywood and Toto, you know Christian Toto, I know Christian Toto, just put up a post at, the set, at his website, which is hollywoodandtoto.com, and he named the Loftus Party podcast. So this would be us as one of the, the non perfectly yeah. unwoke comedy podcasts that are out there. And when you go to his site and read it, you're going to see that we're in some good company. What do you think about that? I, I love it. Now I, I have to ask who else made the list. I have to I have to go look at the list now. Right. One of the one of the people on there, um, Joe Rogan is on there. So that's some pretty good company that you're in right there. I'll take uh, that it. That we're in that we're in right there. Yeah, buddy. And <laughs> and then the uh, there's some other names on there that you'll recognize. You're going to probably find some names on there that you don't recognize and and, and stuff that uh, or people that you might want to ch- uh, check out. I don't want to give it away because I want people first to go to our website where it says the Loftus Party, one of Hollywood and Toto's nine perfectly unwoke comedy podcasts. Read just a little bit of what we write about it there, and we give the link to Hollywood and Toto. You can check out all that great stuff. Great shout out from Christian Toto. We really appreciate that, of course, and it's great that we're on that list. Fantastic. All right, we got time. We got time for one more. Can we squeeze in one more? Well, let's see. Okay. Uh, let me look around here uh bacon you want to talk about bacon your bacon is lame here's how to fix it easy dude dude here's the okay so i'm always looking for uh the best uh, of whatever the best i found a uh a cheeseburger youtube clip that i'm telling you this guy had this cheeseburger changed my life i looked at it i saw it it blew my mind i showed it to my friends They've made it, and it's correct. It 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 changed their life. Friends of mine who've made it. So, uh, I'm bringing you this. Uh, I'm bringing the world this bacon fix, which I had no idea to cook. It's it's the way to cook the perfect bacon. It's super easy. And when you watch the vi- the video, is very short. It's like a it's like a minute thirty. 
and you're going to watch it and you're going to smack yourself in the head and go, why didn't I think of that? I should have been cooking bacon this whole time that that way. So, uh, yeah, go your, your bacon game is about to change. I'm going to, I'm going to take it up a notch. Excellent. And we just got actually new, two new posts at the Loftus party already on Sunday. One's Woo. on you. You're talking about uh, the Legends Football League, which you you have something to say about that. And then we also got a new one up from Cranky Gordon. He had a little thing up there about the forthcoming Valentine's Day. I don't know. We don't really have – we've kind of run out of time. But anyway, you're going to see a bunch of new stuff too that we yeah. haven't gotten into by the time this podcast posts. So everybody needs to go to theloftwoodsparty.com and check that out. Also, don't forget to check out my book, Her True Self at Amazon.com. Pick it up, buy it, post a review, tell other people about it. Yeah, that's that's key. When you when you get Paul's book, uh, click some stars, leave a comment. That's what changes the algorithm. That's how the cream rises to the top. Paul, thank you so much for letting us know what's on the web. We'll Always talk to you quick. soon. Always goes quick, Michael. Thank you. Woohoo! So much going on on the web. That guy, he's gonna give you, he's gonna give you uh, what's going on. But you know what? There's a couple things that he didn't mention. There's some super sweet uh, stories up there about lingerie. There's a great one. Uh, I, I did a piece about. Obs- I, I, I want to get the name of this place right. Uh, obs- obsessive lingerie. It occurred to me. I was looking to to put up a piece for Valentine's Day. And I wanted to do like a, an American company, like like Fredericks of Hollywood or Victoria's Secret. And I think they're hanging on by nubs. They're like dead in the water. And the stuff that they do have is not like like Victoria's Secret. It's like they – what happened to my, – my point was what happened to sexy lingerie? Where did it go? Um, they turned into the like millennial flannel pant and t-shirt store. It's, uh, yeah, yeah, pink. So anyway, I found Well, they comp- stopped doing the whole Angels thing, didn't they? Like yes. the big fashion runway? Because- yes. Yeah. And it's, th- that ain't good. So there's this company, Obsessive Lingerie. They're still doing the, the stuff to get your motor running. And so I, I did a little piece on that. Because it's Valentine's Day right around the corner, you guys. Valentine's Day. And then this other wonderful piece. Uh, a couple years ago. Uh, Sports Illustrated got together the the fifth their top like fifty sexiest swimsuit models of all time, and this is this, I, I I I'm being genuine here. I thought this was an awesome story because you have it, it's it's a who's who of uh, of, of swimsuits. It's it's uh, Heidi Klum, it's Tyra Banks, it it's Christy Brinkley, and they're all. They're various ages, very, and they're mm-hmm. all just still smoking hot. And uh, more power to them. I think it's fantastic. So much of this, uh, so it's so much is mental, you guys. So much is mental. Just if 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 you uh, if you got it, flaunt it, and if you don't got it, pretend you got it and flaunt it. You're gonna feel better. You're gonna feel better. So these uh, so there's some, there's always great stuff on the web. So anyway, uh, we have to make fun of Alexandria Ocasio Cortez. Her career will survive. She's just gonna be fine. She acted as if 
there was a mob at her door as if the 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 mob was right outside it was like something out of the shining and she was just terrified she was in a different building she was in a different building and then not to be outdone not to be outdone so she gets a bunch of uh, of attention for tearfully recounting her tale her, it sounded like a horror movie. And then they came in, and we were going to go. I didn't know where to hide. And this cop came in, and then I didn't trust him. She wasn't even in the main building. She was in an adjacent building. They had been evacuated. I believe it was earlier in the day because someone found a suspicious package. It was one of the uh, the, the bombs. Or I don't even know if it was an actual explosive device. So anyway, she decided to get up on her on her acting high horse and really let it rip with some fake tears, not to be outdone. Rashida Tlaib. Oh my God. So Rashida Tlaib, who wasn't there, she gets up and this, this is what I think is so freaking funny about it. So Rashida Tlaib starts giving a speech. Then she starts squirting out the tears. <laughs> then Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez realizing that she's losing the spotlight to Rashida Tlaib. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez comes over and starts comforting Rashida Tlaib as she's speaking. Because that's, she just has to be in the middle of it. I just, that just, that just made me laugh. That just made me laugh so hard. That whole group therapy session. I, I just, I have one response. Bring it to that whole thing. Okay, AOC, Rashida Tlaib, Ilhan Omar, and all you other Democrats to include you, include you Hakeem Jeffries, because that was quite a lecture you gave. Mm-hmm. Um, can we talk for a moment about the people being terrorized on a daily basis in downtown Chicago, in Portland, in Seattle, in Minneapolis, in New York City? Where murder rates are through the roof because of your rhetoric all summer. Can we talk about that? They. I mean, I, I, it just it makes me furious. Oh yeah. When they're when they're over the summer, Alexandria Ocasio Cortez. You want these riots to stop? You want these protests to stop? Well, if you don't believe in Medicare for all and you don't agree exactly with me, they're just gonna continue. <laughs> yeah, protest. Protests are supposed to make you uncomfortable. Yeah. And and, and rhetoric about systemically racist police and everything. Now we've got the Ferguson effect nationwide and people are dying. And you're sitting on the congressional floor crying when your colleague Katie Porter was sitting there drinking coffee wondering what the hell was wrong with you and made her staff give you their sneakers so that you could run away. (laughs) It's uh yeah they don't they don't like to talk about uh, the murder rates in Chicago they don't like to talk about the rise in crime they they you know and you're just never gonna really get any traction with that story I remember a couple years ago and this is sad a couple years ago Laura Ingram from Fox News she went and did her show from Chicago and she's like what can we do as a people, how can we stop this? And this is way before uh, the Black Lives Matter Nobel Peace Prize nominated riots 
and and mass murders. <laughs> but like uh, you would hear these stories from people whose children had just died in the most horrific ways imaginable. And it is hard to believe that it's America. And that I'm telling you, that's all of this is before they had to reevaluate the way they did police work. And this is before they reevaluated. Like I, I know there's people who are trapped in Chicago and that's where you grew up and that's where your work is and that's where your family is and all that stuff. But like, you gotta at some point you gotta you gotta go you gotta get out these these policies have failed we were talking to Clavin about it Clavin's getting out yeah. of LA you're you're just gonna have to leave it's you'll you'll be killed you'll be killed is you, Chicago really that great if you voted for that shit you need to stay <laughs> I don't need you coming to where I live and voting for it doesn't it sound it sounds so like like fascist <laughs> but i would really love to like hey I, I would love to just comedically you guys put in that policy when you call a u-haul company and you go yeah i need a u-haul i gotta get out of chicago and they go okay well you're gonna have to show me your voting record for the past let me know georgia <laughs> has now said if you voted for pritzker and lightfoot you can't move there it's <laughs> I, yes. I somehow you have to get people to understand like do you do you do you realize why your city's messed up do you do you really know do you really know and and the and the democrat party and the liberals are always going to tell you it's because the greedy republicans aren't letting these these tax increases go through that's always going to be the response it's not that the program doesn't work it's not the ideas are bad. It's they didn't have enough funding. If we just had a little bit more money, it would all work. And that goes, that's that's every program that the Democrats have ever offered. They never offer uh, more freedom. They offer, no. well, if we would, if you would just let us tax these people more, then we could give you more money. Then we could give you more money. And this is, oh. This is perfect. If the Democrats were ever going to give you more money, ever, they would have done it. They would have done it by now. We're in the middle of a pandemic. You're not allowed to work. You're not allowed to open up your business. If they were ever going to give you your money, they have the White House. They have the Congress. They have the Senate. If they were ever going to help you out and give you what they promised, they would have done it by now. But they promised everybody two grand. You'll be lucky if you get fourteen hundred. You'll be lucky. Boom! That put on your goggles. That was a truth bomb. Well, it's okay. all the other things you get that go along with the fourteen hundred that we'll talk about in the Patreon seg segment that nobody wants. Yes. Yes, so yes. we're uh, hopefully you know a lot about that. We got to talk about uh, we got to talk about that and this the, the spending, the spending, the spending. Uh, we also are going to talk. I want to talk about uh, Chicago and the teachers, L.A. and the teachers. What's going on there? Holy smoke! We've got uh, we got the inside scoop on some more 
uh, WandaVision stuff. We've got some more phenomenal surprises. We might have a little bit of Valentine's Day talk. You guys are the best. We want you to come over and listen to this segment on Patreon. Do it up. It, it's wonderful. It's worth it. Value added. We love you. We'll talk to you soon.